My name is Josh Alvarez. And I'm Liam O'Donnell. And you're listening to episode 77 of Cinepunks. Cinepunks. Now, it's been a minute. It's been a minute, right? I get it. Oh, my God. It's been so fucking long. I, I, first of all, Go ahead. how did you even find this podcast? How I, did I, I assume yeah. everyone has moved on. I know. I, I assume that everybody's like, Cinepunks. Thank you for like, returning to the official reunion show. <laughs> We're going to have another one in about a month. This is our reunion. No, that's not true. That's not true. We have something coming up uh, in like next week that's going to be a thing. We so, have, this is our official though reunion show cash in. Right. So right. Now right. we have to do it a lot more till point where people, where people are just sick of us. People and don't want to like, pay our guarantee anymore. Yo, I listened to Cinepunks back in the day when they were hanging out with Sam Deegan. They haven't even recorded a new <laughs> record yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, oh my god. Yeah, no, man. It's been so long. Liam has a gray beard now. It's weird. It's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a lot of hair. <laughs> A lot of hair. Yeah, I know that was dumb. That was, I was gonna go somewhere with that, but then it got caught in my throat. I feel like uh, that that should be your if you ever just took like let's say you won the lottery and you just took a break from working. Oh my god! Just stop shaving your head. Yeah, just let all your facial hair and hair hair grow in at the same. Well, rate. here's the thing: if I ever win the lottery, I'm stopping working and I'm gonna I'm gonna move to Hawaii where I'm gonna cultivate my own avocado farm. And I th- I think and talk about this very often. But that's all with the plan to A, have guacamole with every meal, and B, never wear a shirt again. Just going to wear overalls and a neckerchief and a hat. You know Hawaii, I mean, I get the whole, <laughs> you're in so Hawaii, good. you have the avocado farm. Yeah. It's really boring in Hawaii. Yeah, you know what? I wouldn't be bored. I think I'd be all awesome. Right. I would have guacamole all the time. We might even have guacamole fights. I wouldn't know. I don't know what farmers who own guacamole, guacamole farms or avocado farms do. Is uh is Hawaii a big avocado farm area? Where else are you gonna grow avocados? I don't know, Mexico. Yeah. Well yeah, you can go there, but you don't have the beach like Hawaii. Mexi- Listen, Mexico I'm, I'm never gonna win the lottery. Is you the are point. where there are the point is I'm there not gonna are, win this lottery. There are definitely But if I did, it's Hawaii Liam. Don't shit on my dreams. There are definitely beaches in Mexico. <laughs> I definitely like that you took a moment. You like Liam just took a knee, y'all. <laughs> it was weird. There are definitely so beaches. So how have you been, Liam? <laughs> What's going on with you? Uh, what is your name again? Oh, Josh. J Boogie, yeah. J J Boogie. J Boogie on the Oogie. I don't even know what that means. It just it rhymed. That was all right. Thank you. Um, I've been I've been all right. You know, here let me uh let me just go, go ahead. Use that pillow. Let me just go ahead, y'all. Enjoy I'm, I'm just gonna get real comfy, <laughs> real comfy here in the Center Punks recording. Uh, yeah, you know, it's been a month. Yeah, um, man, you've been busy as fuck. Well, I mean, basically, a few things have kind of coalesced to keep us from recording. Mm. Um, the band coalesced. Yeah, one, the band coalesced. What uh, more do you want from me? I found that fucking Led Zeppelin cover record, and I just couldn't stop listening to it. <laughs> That's unfortunate. <laughs> yeah. No, I that... wondered why you smelled like patchouli, but go on. <laughs> I discovered weed, and that's the <laughs> No, no, no. I, okay, so for, as as you all know, 
February is Black Heritage Month, which for my job, which officially, by the way, ended yesterday. Woo! Uh, uh, that's a that's a busy time, and I basically did almost all the logistics for it. Then on top of the Black Heritage Month, I was also looking for other work, which, I mean, uh, big up to our sponsors, Lehigh Valley Apparel <laughs> Creations. Saviors, yes. Uh, basically, and I think Chris, but actually Chris had put this offer out a while ago, like, oh, you should just come work for me. And the person who really saved it was Suze, because I had been applying for other things and doing whatever, but it was it was just really hard to apply for jobs. What the fuck was that? We're in the city, man. You're going to hear know, things. That's true. Don't that's worry true. about I'm it. I'm not used to the city anymore. Keep it moving. Um, I, it was really hard to apply for jobs and keep on top of my job, especially because things have gotten crazy. I don't I don't think we talked about it on the show, but my former boss is a monster, like a <laughs> fucking horrible human who right. uh, basically fired me back in October in the sense of like ending my contract, but then hadn't officially fired me. So then had all these like rules now for me yeah. to keep my job. And so it was so stressful all the time. I was unhappy all the time, stressed out all the time. Right before Christmas, had really cracked the whip and been like, like all up in my face about it. And it was just crazy. I'm like, I don't even have a future here. Yeah, but he's still yelling at you. Insane stuff. Just like yeah. so. And then, of course, when the job is ending, he's trying to like, you know, make it seem like he's not a monster. So he's all this like, oh, I really appreciate the effort you put in. And and I'm like, motherfucker, what? Like he's literally, <laughs> literally, dude. Right before I left, was like, "Yo, I, I really appreciate um, the detail. You, you know, taking care of details for Black Heritage Month. Like when you weren't in charge of an event, like there were definitely stuff that got left behind." And I was like, "Are you complimenting me for the very thing that you said I didn't do well enough to mm. keep this fucking job?" Man, what sort of I hereby s- declare this ex-boss whack. Yeah. So, uh, so sorry, Did, didn't mean to get too personal there, but <laughs> basically all that to say, it, it made February 10th, and then I announced that I was leaving because uh, Suze was the one who basically was like, look, Chris is great, Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations is great, you should go work there for at least a while yeah. until we figure out what we're going to do next, which, you know, that was a hard thing decision to make because, you know, that my job before is a real ass like job know, job s- salary job yeah and chris it's like fun it's, but it's a lot of hard work and it's not you know he doesn't he's not i don't have a retirement plan with chris right so um but that was a decision to make just for my own happiness uh but then once you announce you're leaving a job like this it actually is more tense because you gotta finish off all these projects and do whatever yeah. so me and josh now to be fair we had a couple of times in February, we were trying to record, and it just kept getting pushed back and kept getting yeah. pushed back. Some of that was for cool stuff. We've got some guests coming up who we thought we were going to get in in February, and they had to delay, yeah. and they're cool guests. But we also had not been doing our solo. This is our first solo mission in a while because a lot of the recording in January and December was, was with, with homies. people. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we just hadn't been able to make it come together for our for our own sort of solo mission. Josh and Liam back at it again. Right. The yeah. dynamic duo. Yeah. Ha! DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. <laughs> I'm the DJ. He's the rapper. You know what yeah, I'm saying? that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> but, you know, we're back. It's cool. Well, you, you know, and you were you were doing some stuff, too, right? Or no? Yeah, yeah, no. You I, were just sitting in Philly going, I wish I Liam was just would like, call me. Why doesn't Liam call me anymore? How come this always happens to me? <laughs> no, I've, I've been playing shows. I've been, um, you know... Uh, Cross Keys has been uh, has been moving along at a pretty nice pace. We just got a new drummer, Mr. Uh, Dave Wagenschutz, who sure. uh, you've heard of if you've heard uh, Good Riddance or Ink and Dagger or 
Lifetime or Kid Dynamite, any of these bands, you know. Those are all bad bands. Yeah, you know, you might have heard of them once or twice. But uh, yeah, so he's joined our band, and we've been working hard with him, uh, getting ourselves together and writing new songs. So, But uh, I've also been playing a lot of solo shows, and those have been going well. I've been promoting my uh, record, The Lonely Friend, still going well. Still hot. Still hot, as they say. Is it blowing up? Uh, no, I have six monthly listeners, so saith Spotify, of which I'm quite sure one to two of them are myself. But that's okay, you know? But Spotify, I mean, come on. Yeah, come are on. You, what kind of you, metrics are they measuring? You were getting some downloads on the Bandcamp. I was. There. I was. Yeah, it was pretty dope. Pretty dope. Thank you for all the supporters thus far. Yeah. And uh, I appreciate you. More music coming soon. But uh, it's been cool. I've been singing with Grace, uh, you know, who was on the show last week or last month. <laughs> last, <laughs> last week. week. <laughs> but yeah, Grace has been helping me and she's been playing xylophone and singing. And uh, it's awesome. And it's uh, still moving along. So. I've been working on that and just watching movies and, and, you know, doing things, man. Just doing a lot of stuffs. Not writing for the website, though. No, no, because, uh, you know, I've been writing songs. Oh, songs. <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, and I've been uh, doing things, you know. It's cool, though. It's all good. It's all good. Well, I'm glad we're finally back together. <laughs> it's Jesus just... Christ. What? <laughs> it's like, I'm glad we're finally back together. I, I you sound am, like though. a you sound like a college radio DJ. Uh, you do. And I'm um, trying to go for wait, yeah. What's my? <laughs> I need my WKDU voice. <laughs> Your I WKDU voice. WKDU. Uh, my name is John Paul Galaski. Yeah, you. Uh, how are you doing? Today? Oh no, John Paul has energy though. <laughs> now John Paul is one of the greatest humans that we yeah, know. Yeah, but so. but but definitely there are DJs on there that are like. All right, uh, that that was <laughs> that was side. the paper at the middle of the record that I forgot to change yeah. for the last fifteen seconds. I went to the bathroom. Sorry. No, no. Let's look. Love for KDU, please. Yoni Kroll, all you guys. Love you guys. Just saying. Yeah, they Charles. should. They should have us on as guests. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's yeah, up, yeah. What's up, Yoni? Ha! All the homies have us on. Charles Smith, what's up? The third. Anyway, let's get back to what we we're talking about, which is what. I don't know. Maybe it's time for a certain patented segment. What segment? I don't. It's been so long. I'm not I sure know, if I remember. It might what be is it something. Called? If you just were to, you know, just think about it in your heart, it might be time for whack it on track. track. Oh my god, we're back. So good. Josh so gets good. a little bit of a chub every time we do that. Yeah, totally. <laughs> just a little chub. Oh man. <laughs> Only funny because it's true, listeners. Just Only funny because it's true. Jolts of electricity. So, Liam, yes. what have you done lately that is whack and or on track? Um, not much. I mean, okay. Okay. Uh, as far as movie-wise, the last thing I saw was Black Panther. Never heard of it. Yeah, no one's been talking about Little it. Little movie. No I, one has mentioned. Here's the thing. It feels so superfluous to even mention Black Panther. However, we haven't talked about it because we haven't recorded and yeah i think if if we had been recording closer to when it came out maybe we would have even just made it a whole thing mm. i will i will say this though uh i saw there was a there was an article uh that was a pro black panther article that said black panther is the obama of movies Whoa. Really? Yeah. And at first I thought, that's a ridiculous statement. But then after a while I thought, no, actually <laughs> it's kind of accurate in that um, uh, I think there are, much like Obama, uh, criticisms to be made of Black Panther, but most of the people with uh, 
with a platform who are making criticisms are just racist white people. Right. And so, like, the few folks I know who are politically engaged people of color who are questioning the movie, yeah, those are, like, the minority criticisms. And then the people who actually get their articles reposted uh-huh. are like just these angry, awful white people who just don't <laughs> like it because it's black. Right, and the thing right, is, right. is like if you just look at it at the to me, uh, the one person who we know who would disagree with us is Matt McCracken, right? Who our, doesn't our, like anything we like. He, well, he doesn't like Marvel movies, right? Uh, and so you know, for him, he was like, "This is just." the same marvel thing but of course he's like all the performances are amazing because these are amazing actors but it's in service of a marvel movie so therefore it's shit yeah and so like uh but other than that than him i think most people should be able to agree like at the level of a movie it's fun it's entertaining it's a good time the performances are crazy good the only movie aspect i would criticize is the cgi i think there are times when the, the cg was too much like the rhinos and stuff I was okay with the rhinos. Some of the fighting in the tunnel is... Uh, you know what it was? It's that thing with CGI where the character doesn't have weight. If It was like the Spider-Man phenomenon. Right, right, Parts right. of the... Parts of... Two of my favorite... Gravity-defying... Two of my favorite comic book movies are Spider-Man 1 and 2, the right. Sam Raimi ones. But mm. sometimes the CGI isn't realistic. Right. I think this had the same issue. The rhinos, it's fine. I don't care. But some, <laughs> of, the, some of the action shots didn't work. Okay. Fair but enough. that's... Let me be clear. That's a minor criticism. On the mm. entertainment level, it was great. I think I only get a little critical because people, because of all the uh, pr- progress this movie represents in the sense of representation, like this is a film in which not only are there all these black actors, but the director and so many people on the thing. So there's a lot of a com- there's a lot of accomplished in the movie. Yeah. That because of that, people then want to read like super progressive politics into the movie, which uh, it's—I mean, you can if you really wanted to, but I, uh, okay. Here's my issue. Go ahead. There's a way to read Killmonger where you're like, oh look, they're criticizing the CIA, uh. except for our fucking man. Um, oh, what's his? You know, Frodo Baggins. What is his oh, name? Oh, uh, the agent guy. Yeah, what is his name? Uh, the actor, Martin Freeman. Martin Freeman. Martin Freeman's character is all like, I'm down with Wakanda. By the way, we trained this guy to destroy. I mean, yeah. literally, this he's literally he's sitting there being like. Empire. He's yeah. literally, literally sitting there being like, oh, everything evil Killmonger knows how to do. We trained him how to do. But it's cool. Me and you are friends. Yeah, like, we're going to take him out. Yeah. Like, it's, it, it's to the point where it feels you could. You could make a, a, a compelling argument that the whole thing is like an apologism for the CIA. That like <laughs> it's like, look, sure, the CIA trained Killmonger to be a destroyer of countries, but like but same he's team, he's, right? He's more bad because he just is more violent than you know T'Challa and whatever. So there's that, and then you know I've always been a little skeptical of Black Panther and other narratives in which we have this like powerful king character because I'm just mm. skeptical of monarchs, right? You know what I mean. On the other hand, um, there's so much. They did a lot of effort to make so many details and so much of the texture of the world yeah. from Africa mm-hmm. that that has to be an empowering, beautiful thing. Yeah, and it was you know again I haven't seen. It did the you know Forrest time, Whitaker but... or Angel Bassett, Bassett were in there? Or because yeah. I had no idea. Oh, going I did. In. I knew going the whole oh, wow. cast. Yeah. No, I had no idea. Wow, no shit, mm-hmm. man. I'm an informed movie. Watcher. Yeah, I know. Maybe I should. Uh... <laughs> not be the mogul of a he, he, media empire. Here, anyway. maybe you should have heard of the internet before. I know, I know. I've I've heard of it in places. Mm-hmm. One day we'll get it in Kensington. That's fair. So, Black Panther, I enjoyed it. 
It yep. was fun. I uh, I won't I won't lift it up as some sort of like accomplishment of revolutionary politics or some crap like that. But mm. man, it was enjoyable. It was a good yeah. time. It and, really uh, was. And I think the most important thing for me as a movie watcher is hopefully, though I doubt it because I don't trust Hollywood. It makes the point that you don't have to make things white for them to make money. Yeah. We, yeah. This is something we've been. They've been saying not just to black folks, though the most to them, but yeah. to every community. Right? Mm-hmm. We can't have a Latin movie. We can't, can't have, have an, an Asian, Asian movie. movie. Yeah. Certainly couldn't have a another smoke signals. Yeah. You know, Native American film because right, right, because right. these things don't make money. Only here's like the it's blackest true. movie <laughs> in a while. I mean, granted, again, you know, like it's for Disney, but the cast, the crew, the people behind it are you know very much representing. Um, uh, blackness and and trying to represent Africa itself and you know so all I have to say I'm a fan mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if I'd put it as my favorite Marvel movie but it's in contention for my it's favorite. my favorite Marvel movie I, easily I, I don't know only don't, in that they've managed to have a bad guy that isn't just a bad guy by the by definition okay yes I agree with that but I also am a little skeptical of these people a lot of my students were like. Oh man, I don't know. I felt for Killmonger more than T'Challa. Yeah. Killmonger's cool, and I'm like, yo, my man might talk a good game, but he spends the whole movie like attacking and brutalizing women. So like, let's just be wow. real. Like he's not a hero either. But I mean, compared to other villains, no, 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 no Marvel, Marvel has a villain problem. Yeah, but I, I, ugh. he's still. I mean, he's a bad guy. It's it, he's written as. I mean. Also, can we talk about he's he's your co star in the movie Creed that you were in? But oh anyway. Oh my god. Not important. Let's not mo- important. let's move on. Let's move on. Let's move on. <laughs> your co star Michael B. Jordan. Oh my god, I hate movie you so Creed. Much. <laughs> um I think I've also watched a good chunk of horror movies, but you can always check those out over on horror business where I talk about horror specifically. Um, nothing that I'm like, you guys need to check this out because it was so cool. <laughs> there's just there's a few things I've seen recently that I talk about over there, but nothing that I like need to bend over backwards to endorse um as i said i haven't had a lot of time to check stuff out uh unfortunately right i will say music wise yeah you're feeling some things um i think i would definitely lift up um um sorry i just got my mom just called um i don't know if anyone has seen the two new janelle monet videos I have not. I saw you've been posting them. Yo. Yeah. I mean, you, oh, you, you're kind of clueless when it comes to all new music. So it's you true. probably weren't already a Chanel Monet disciple. I was not. No. Other than her acting. I don't even remember her acting. Are you fucking kidding what me? What movie was right she now? in that I saw? Well, let me think. Uh, she's in a little movie called uh, Hidden Figures. Didn't see it. And then she was in a little movie called uh, Moonlight. Yeah, I didn't see Moonlight yet. I know, I know. We run a movie podcast. <laughs> Don't tell anyone. We have. Have you really anyone. not seen Moonlight yet? Yeah, I haven't had a chance to see it. Honestly, it's. I mean, it's available to me, but I just haven't had a chance to watch it. It's literally the only movie that matters from that year. That's fair. That's fair. I'm with that. I can't believe you haven't seen Moon. So, so you're ignorant when it comes to Janelle Monae's music, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. But you're kind of ignorant when it comes to all. New music. You're just kind of like new music. I don't know. Boo. I've been listening to some things. Ooh, I can't wait to hear about them. But yeah, but her acting too. I I think you need to get on that. See see what yeah. she's been in because she's a great actress. All right, I'm down. I'm, um, not, I'm not opposed to it. Just and and we chance. can watch the videos later because they're really good. <laughs> um, so I'm a big fan of that. Uh, we could 
spend some time talking about the new turnstile if you want. If you want to. I just feel like it's been over-talked already. Like, I was yeah. actually excited. I get that you like it. What it's if... cool. And I like it, too. I'm not going to lie to you. But I, I also... No, haven't... I said that I didn't like it. No? You don't pay attention. Yeah. You just keep talking. <laughs> no, you were like, yo, it might be good. So I listened to it. I was like, yeah, it's fine. I mean, like... I don't... I, I thought, oh, this isn't bad, which is a huge step up yeah. for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But is it good? Uh... I haven't listened to it more than once, I'll tell you. Oh, I listened to it a bunch of times before I made up my mind. And I'm still like, certain songs on the record slam. Like, there yeah. are a couple songs that are real good. I especially like Moon, which features uh, Freaky Franz on vocals instead of their normal vocalist. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I'd rather have a New Angel Dust record. Like, I just right. think it's... You're saying that the two things, like, our friend of the podcast, Phil Sainich, was saying that the two... The two records, the new turnstile is just a refined Angel Dust or whatever. Yeah, he was saying they're very similar. And for me, I still like Angel Dust better. I don't yeah. know what it is. Um, but, uh, you know, that that that's fine if you're into that. I just, it's, I won't put it in the whack. Uh-huh. Uh, and, I, and I will say it's on track how much attention they're getting in the sense yeah. of like, I, maybe this is just me, but I really think when it comes to punk uh, and hardcore uh, you know, the rising tide, all ships, blah, blah, blah. Mm. Like, if Turnstile is on the cover of Spin, which they are, yeah, and they go on tour and they bring some real-ass bands, mm. like, cool, maybe that means new kids who care about this thing, like, that'd be cool. Yeah, I, I guess that's an unpopular opinion. New kids are generally unpopular, but... Yeah, but new kids have never been popular. I'm into new kids. Everybody's bring, bring been a new, new kid at one point or another, yeah. but new kids will never be popular. So what are you going to do? Bums me out. Fuck. I know it's a bum out, but what are you gonna do? You know, just fucking... as long as they continue to do their thing the way that they do it. Yeah, I think they make people. I think Turnstile makes people uncomfortable because you get the feeling that like they don't have to make it. Like, let's <laughs> say this record bombs and no one cares about them anymore. Yeah, they seem like everyone in the band seems like okay, fine. <laughs> like they're just yeah. not. They just don't care. Like now they don't care about the band. I think mm-hmm. they love the band, but they're not. There are other bands out there that are like. Yo, you gotta hook us up. Like we have to. They they're trying to, even if they're not trying to pay the bills, they're trying to make the band make it. Right. Well, all the almost every member of Turnstile is in another band that's also good. Really. So like, or good in the sense of people like it. So right. I think like if Turnstile broke up, it would they be a would bummer. Just do their other band, but they're like, all right, I guess we'll do the other band. Like, right. That's wow. what it feels like mm. to me. That's intense, man. That's intense. All right, what do you got going on, Josh? All right, on track. I did a lot of stuff since we last spoke. Oh, I know. You don't have to cover all of it, you know. Yeah, but I have to cover all the things I liked, of which there was a lot. Oh, my God. Okay, do it. Start. Number one, saw Brother Cornell West talk at the film. Oh, you did get to go. I thought you weren't going to get to go. I was going to bail for the tattoo convention, but then I realized that I don't feel like getting tattooed anymore. So not ever, but just at that particular moment. Sure, 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 sure. I've seen Cornell West speak one other time, so let's just go see Cornell West speak. So, was this a book talk or just him doing it? It was uh, the 25th anniversary of, of Race, Race Matters. Matters. Yeah, so, yeah. it was his rededication. He wrote a new preface to the book. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> he's, I, I, so uh, let's just acknowledge he's a little controversial right now. Yeah, because of his Farrakhan stuff or. No, oh, yeah, I mean, the Farrakhan thing is kind of blown up for a few people, but not yeah. so bad for him. It's more the Ta-Nehisi Coates stuff. Oh, right, him, yeah, his yeah, beefing. Yeah. yeah, I get it. I, I mean, here's the thing. If you are legitimately asking me to choose between Cornell West oh, and Ta-Nehisi, Ta-Nehisi Coates, yeah. I'm going to go ahead and choose Cornell West. Now, I don't think you have to choose. I think you can acknowledge that, like, when it comes to uh, defending drone strikes, mm-hmm. 
Ta-Nehisi Coates is wrong, and that's fine. When it comes to thinking the most important thing he can do with his platform is beef with Ta-Nehisi Coates, sorry, Brother yeah. West is wrong. Like I just think like it's, it's fine. I think he's right, mm-hmm. but I'm like er, the fact that it's gotten to this point where he's right. doing these huge articles, and I'm like. Man, just write about some cool women that you like. <laughs> just keep you know going, I mean? yeah. Like just, do some other stuff, yeah. 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 But so, how was your thing? What did that you think? said, him speaking was amazing. Yeah, he usually is. And I mean, like again, I've o- I've only seen him one other time at the New York Historical Society, like two or three years ago. And man, same feeling, same feeling of like empowerment. And he talked about all of this race matters and everything else. Sure. Through the context of black music, like soul music. Right, right, right. And he was, writes about that a lot. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. It was pretty great. So, you know, that was good. He kept on, yeah, he just, it was, it was just, he's an engaging speaker. And I would urge everyone who has a chance to see him, whether you agree with him or not, I, I definitely right. think seeing him is a, is a good maneuver. You should see that and don't go to the convention. But, um, so that was good. And then after that, we saw the murder of Fred Hampton and a restored 35 millimeter print at the oh, Lightbox Center. Oh, wow. And, um, so Melani and I had seen parts of that in the Huey P. Newton documentary that came right. out. And like some of the footage is the same. Like they had right. footage of the Black Panthers, like with the breakfast program and like all these other things. Yeah. But the the craziest part is they had footage of uh, Fred Hampton introducing uh, Bobby Seale at speaking conventions and yeah. all that stuff, and it was like so visceral. And you realize, you know, like they were socialists. Like, dude, Black Panther Party for Self Defense was in favor of the urban proletariat. Like that shit right. is very nascent in the movie. And um, it's it was a restored thirty five millimeter print shown on film. At the light box. So it was right. awesome. It looked great. And uh, it's a very interesting and, and difficult movie. Let me jump in real quick and say uh, that reminds me. One of the things I should have said, it wasn't a film thing, but I, I want to recommend it while, you have a, while people have a chance. I went and checked out the Schomburg Center. Oh, uh, yeah. How was that? Because we were doing a trip for my job. And then I went on my own before that to check it out. And right now their exhibit is on Black Power. Uh, they have like a Black Power exhibit with a media exhibit connected to it. And then another exhibit is like the posters from that time. That era. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it's a really cool, you know, the Schomburg is free. It's a bit, for those people who don't know, the Schomburg Center is like one of the largest research facilities for the African diaspora. It started uh, more than 100 years ago with a guy named, uh, oh, what was his first name? Anyways, uh, a guy whose name was Schomburg, who basically was like, we should have a library for black things, was sort of how it started. Mm -hmm. And this was during the time of the, you know, going into the time of the Harlem Renaissance, so there was a lot going on. Right. And then eventually the New York Public Library sort of took it over and made it part of their system. Mm -hmm. So it's like a legitimate research library, but they also do exhibits there as well as screenings and theater. They have two theaters there. Uh One is the Langston Hughes Theater, and it has Langston Hughes's ashes there. Whoa. Uh, But um, they always have some cool exhibit, and until the end of March, the exhibit will be this Black Power exhibit. And so as part of that, they have all these like prints and pictures and whatever, but there's also a media section where they're doing a documentary about uh, black exploitation and showing some different sections of black exploitation movies. And I just think it was it was really interesting. And you know, a realizing that the Black Power movement was more than just the Black Panthers. Like I just mm-hmm. we always hear about the Black Panthers, but there was a number of organizations, and also the ways that then the Black Panthers influenced other groups like Young Lords. Brown Berets, American Indian Movement, like all these things were sort of influenced by uh, the Black Panthers. And then going forward, you know, they had uh, sections and testimonies from even like 
all the way up to like act up, you wow. know, talking about the influence of the Black Panthers. Yeah. And again, you know, that these were socialist and communist influenced movements. When yeah. when Angela Davis got arrested, uh, all, all these communist countries, their women's programs wrote letters of endorsement for Angela Davis, which, yeah. you know, uh, side note, damning with faint praise. <laughs> In the sense that, like, you know, 70s America wasn't like, oh, the women's community of North Korea endorsed <laughs> Angela Davis? Well, then we take it all back, you know, yeah, like whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But also there was a whole video of uh, an interview between Angela Davis and Yuri Kochiyama. Ah, there you go. And they were talking about the the diversity of the Black Power movement. That right. like the the it's it is good and right to focus on the Black Power movement as as part of the African diaspora. But then there were, of course, uh, Afro Latino folks mm. in the Black Panthers. There were people who identified as Black who were in the Young Lords and some of the other groups. Yeah. And then they had such strong relationships with. Uh, the Brown Berets and American Indian Movement that like we think of them as just vaguely, but that they were supporting each other. And of course, Yuri Kochiyama is going to talk about yeah. all the Asian folks. There was mm-hmm. like 10 or 15 Asian people involved. Yeah. And then sort of talked about that as like related to the history of uh, groups sort of identifying with. So her big example, of course, were the black soldiers in the Philippines mm-hmm. uh, and then the St. Patrick's Brigades in Mexico. Yeah. Um, that there was a whole uh, brigade of Irish folks who like switched sides and fought for the Mexicans in the Mexican American War, and that they have a at one of the towns the Mexican government has a Irish festival in honor of those soldiers. That's funny. So wow. it was interesting to see these yeah. like, Mexican dudes playing playing bagpipes. Which, by the way, bagpipes are not Irish, but but it doesn't matter. They're like <laughs> doing their version of Irish shit, right? To, right. Like, right. Celebrate these soldiers. So I just think that's pretty funny. Cool. Schomburg Center. All right. Schomburg Center. Harlem. Harlem. So. That's what Liam did. Uh, other stuff. <laughs> I was on. Whatever, Josh. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. I saw Cornell West speak. I saw the murder of Fred Hampton. Um, I definitely went to. Um, I saw a bunch of movies. I finally saw Unforgiven for the Shame Files podcast that uh, Ryan and Jill do. And um, oh, right. yeah, we yeah, recorded yeah. A, an episode, but uh, unfortunately, it was lost to technology. So I don't think we'll ever <laughs> hear that. So. You yeah. you you actually ended up recording with them. We recorded, and then it just the the computer messed up. Like you know, we've done that before. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I mean, I wasn't I'm I'm not upset or anything like that. I just it just means we get to talk some more, which of course I'm always down to do. So you know, but it's cool. I can't Finally. believe you've never seen Unforgiven. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw Geostorm. It's cool. Um, no, no thanks. Yeah, it's fine. I saw Black Panther. Oh, I saw a movie called Thoroughbreds that uh, apparently played oh, how during is the that? film fest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's pretty dark. It's a dark movie about rich white girls. Yeah, man. Whew. So that was fine. And then uh, I saw Game Night. Oh, sure, yeah. Not the worst movie I've ever seen. I hear it's pretty good, lot. actually. Yeah, yeah, quite funny. Um, but uh, one of the more uh, intense things that I've done recently, it's in my uh, on track, is I went to the Nick Rotundo Benefit. And uh, oh yeah, how was that? Yeah, said goodbye to I hate you. You know, saw a uh, little shark attack reunion, so that was pretty intense. And then uh, uh, Railhead played, and um, Worlds Collide, and uh, Walleye, and Damnation, and Boys It's Fire. So um, it was pretty wild night because I mean I had worked the next day, so I couldn't really stay out the entire night. But it was definitely interesting to see a bunch of people coming together. Over uh, Nick Rotundo, who, if you don't know, he was a recording engineer from Delaware, and uh, he played in a bunch of bands, and he recorded a bunch of bands during that time of hardcore. So there's a lot of people who we're connected to through the, our music scene that really 
like cared for this gentleman. I never met him, so I I never knew him, you know. But uh, it was interesting to see all my friends, and you know, it's like this weird celebration, but also a mourning. You know what I mean? Like it's it was a um, very intense night. So, uh, but uh, it was cool. It was good seeing all all the homies, and it was good hearing the bands. And um, so that was uh that was on track. How were how were the bands? Bands were good. Bands were fine. I mean, like you know, it's funny that uh, <laughs> I hate you went on first, and they're like, yeah, man, we're all forty now. And then my first thought was. We're the youngest people here, too. Like, you know, the 40-year-olds and everyone else is, like, older than that, you know? <laughs> it's like, oh, man. This is a wild night, boy. <laughs> it's crazy to me that Mike Weiss still played with IEU. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's kind of great. It was awesome. I mean, you know, they played... Uh, the most memorable thing from, from their set was when they did the cover of Ready to Fight, and Timmy No Justice was doing extra vocals, and he dive-bombed Brandon's drums and, like, bent up all the shit. <laughs> it's like the craziest, wildest night. Uh, it reminded me of, you've seen the footage of the last No Justice show. Yeah, he was jumping all over the place. The first song, he picks up parts of the drums and hits a guy in the audience with it. That's the first song. They didn't even finish a song yet. You already broke the drums. It's awesome. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It looked like it was a good time. You know, I'm a big Allisfelds fan. So yeah, oh, yeah. Allisfeld played, and yeah. uh, the, they had the two singers. and Yeah. It was it was intense. I mean, I, like you I know. feel like for me personally, the highlights of my night were the first two bands. Right. I would have been like, "Oh, I hate you and all's failed." Sick. And then and then a little shark attack in between there. So oh, that's true. I'm not a huge shark attack fan, but they're okay. It I'm was fun. It. I mean, like, you but know, like I've never like Railhead. No, thank you. Yeah. Walleye. No, thank you. Yeah. Those just are not my my scene. I love Damnation though. Um, yeah, it was good seeing Mike, and uh, it was also good seeing uh, Beamer. You know, uh, did you get to stay for Boys' Fire? Or did you leave? No, before? I had to bounce because yeah. you know they were there. It was behind schedule as per usual, and like you know, it was going like Boys' Fire didn't go on till like twelve thirty or one or something. Yeah, like that. I could not do that. It's like, yo, I gotta go home. I gotta be at work in six hours. Like, I can't do this. So, you know, it was fine though. I mean, you know, it was a good night, and uh, big ups to Bruce, the Jinko Jesus, and uh, all the homies that were hanging tough. It was good seeing everybody. So. So that's what I did. That was that's fun on track. And then whack, you know, life work. That's my cool. my whack is all the shows I didn't go to, which is right, like right. that show. Uh, <laughs> last night was the Mammoth Grinder show. Right, right, right. Uh, You're liking that new Mammoth Grinder record, huh? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. So new music wise, I never actually said uh, I really like the new Mammoth Grinder. I uh -huh. really like the new Primal Right. Um, what else came out? Oh, the Dead Heat uh, Mind Force split is real good. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm definitely going to try to go to that Dead Heat show. But I've been saying I'm going to go to every show. So who <laughs> fucking knows? Um, anyways, the, I think, um, uh, you know, uh, recently Bob Wilson has been booking some really great shows, and I've missed all of them. So um, I think he, he always likes to pretend that I'm actually going to come to the show. So yeah. respect to Bob for thinking that I'm not an <laughs> Good old. for you, Bob. Thank, thank you, Bob, for acting like I'm actually going to show up to one of these shows. <laughs> but I really do want to go to this Dead Heat. It's like uh, Dead Heat, Primal Right, Lux, uh, other bands. Yeah. Where's that at? Oh, Brandon. Brandon uh, um, what? Where's that show at? Uh, I think it just got moved to the fire, but I don't remember where it was before. Mm. All right. Cool. Cool. Uh, Brad's band. Um, what is Brad's Dividing band? Line? No. Oh, no. That's uh, Ian. Yeah. What is Brad's band called? Uh, Sorry, Brad. <laughs> Brad's <laughs> band's playing, though. Maybe I'll edit that out. Sorry, Brad. <laughs> he doesn't listen to this podcast. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. 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 All right. So that's where we are. So what are we talking about today? Tonight we are talking about a movie that is now 20 years old, Dark mm. City. Mm. 
by uh, the same director who did The Crow. What's that guy's name? Uh, Alexander Poyer? Is that it? I have no idea. You were the one that was on IMDb. Just... I know. I don't have it out right now. Yeah, yeah. Good for you. That's good. Put that away. <laughs> don't want to start <laughs> looking at it or anything. Whatever. Alex Proyas. Yep. That's it. Okay. What else has he done besides those two? He did... Um, uh, well, I know he did... Let's see. Gods of Egypt. I, Robot. Jesus Christ. Yes, yeah, that's cool. But uh, whatever, Dark oh. City is pretty awesome, man. Oh, man. He also did Knowing. Oh, man. Peace of doo-doo. Okay. <laughs> it's all good, though. We're all not right. judging the entire catalog, just the part that we liked. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say that this guy has never done a good movie. Whoa, you didn't like it? It's fine. It's fine. We'll talk about it. Okay, after the break. <laughs> Which is not synth pop. <laughs> let, Bruno, let, let Mr. Mars come into the synth pop arena. We'll see how we do. <laughs> we'll see what we'll, we'll see what shakes out. 
so I guess. All right, guess we're, we're back. I guess, I guess we're back. Woo! We're back. That's my uh, rave today impersonation. You're welcome. I mean, technically, Justin does that every episode of Horror Business, and every time I'm like, no, that's great. <laughs> no, that's really that's really great. All good. It is, though. Oh, it my, is. God. oh my God, that's so great. Oh, my God, that's so good. <laughs> anyway, but uh, so, yeah, Dark City. We are talking about uh, Alex Poya's movie from 1998. Uh, it's interesting that it's, uh, it is from 1998 because this feels like... Um, such an essentially '90s film. It really does. It hits all the '90s like talking points. I feel you know? like usually something that feels so emblematic of a decade tends to occur more in the middle. Uh huh. Um, but this is like so '90s dark. I mean, yeah. Just even like the just pitch. so like '90s noir. Like if you haven't if you haven't um seen the film, this is a film that manages to be. Well, uh, wait, before we get into it, why don't you just give us a little synopsis of the movie? What that's was when the movie? I'm, well, I'm getting there, man. Why oh. you cut me off? I'm I was waiting for it. If you haven't seen the film. Which would be a, weird that you listen to this. This is a film that manages to have a uh, film noir detective edge. Right. It has a um, psycho killer seven-esque edge. Yes. It has a sci-fi edge, a which, combines, alien edge. which combines aliens and... And a sense of like um, extra, Gosh. like they're not just aliens, but they're aliens who occupy the dead. Mm. And there's telepathy leading yeah. to a telekinetic battle. And so great. Yeah. there's this whole Kafka-esque, yeah. you know what? Parts of it actually, I think, Surrealist. Was, parts of it were kind of, I think, an influence on, um, what's the Jesse Eisenberg movie? Double. The Double. Parts of it reminded me of the double. Parts of it reminded me of Naked Lunch. Yeah, like there's definitely like this. Um, well, I feel as though the feathers are all over bending. the cap. Like you could t- tell, you could pick every single reference so, for this movie from ba- somewhere else. Basically, a uh, dude wakes up. He is in the most ridiculously. I mean, he's in a purple water. Let, let's let's keep something clear here. The only time period of this film is old. Right. Uh, these. Folks, he wakes up. He's in a time period that could be anywhere from the 20s to the 50s, basically. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't know who he is. He, has he no gets memory. a phone call telling him, you know, you got to get out of there or whatever. They're coming you, for you right me. now. Yeah. There's a dead body with like things carved into her. Right. And then these people show up who are clearly dead. Right. Humanoids. Humanoid things. They're wearing weird hats. And weird black furry jackets. Right. It is a very strange image. And they're of various sizes, and they have There's weird a child knives. There. There's yeah. a child who's with them. And they make a weird chattery noise. Yeah. Um, it's immediately on everything about it is immediately unsettling. Kiefer Sutherland has this weird eye, lazy eye. Um, one of the, this is the thing that I noticed immediately that like fucking flipped me out. One of these aliens who ends up becoming sort of the lead alien. Um, well, okay, so first you don't know they're aliens, but one of right. these people immediately, I'm like, "That's oh, the guy from Rocky Horror." Yeah, Richard yeah. O'Brien. It's Richard fucking O'Brien. Richard yeah. O'Brien. Why is he even in this movie? But oh, he is so great. Yeah. And so uh, our man, he escapes. Uh, things sort of start to show themselves that he uh, he's trying to put his memory together. He doesn't have he's trying to figure memories. out. He, he's his wife, who he's estranged from, is Jennifer Connelly pre-plastic surgery Jennifer Conley and um, 
Keither Sutherland clearly has some knowledge of what's going on in his life. Mm. And uh, William Hurt is this detective trying to, like, figure it out. Yeah. As the plot moves forward, it becomes clear immediately. Like, what's interesting is how much the the movie puts on the table up front, but still... Yeah. still feels very discordant. A little, like, a little hidden, a little yeah. not clear. So the, none of the time period stuff makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, we know pretty quickly that our man is probably not the killer. Right. You get the sense that he's not the the person that they these think creepy he's. people are revealed yeah. very quickly to uh, be aliens or some sort of not human creatures. Right? They could be uh, interdimensional creatures, but they're probably aliens. Um, our man has some sort of telekinetic powers. Yeah, he somehow has like like uh, mutated into having the powers of these same people. Uh, by the way, the the main character is Rufus uh, Sewell. Sewell, who is I don't... one of his eyes fucked up. It looked like it, right? Yeah, it looked like it wasn't real. He's one of these dudes who, like, I've seen in a million things, but I, I just think of him as the guy from Dark City. Like, I don't really, right? You know, and he usually you plays, don't really celebrate his catalog. He usually plays a villain. Actually, this is I think yeah. the only thing I've seen him in where he's the he's a he's the hero. Mm-hmm. Uh, people at midnight, everyone goes to sleep. No matter what they're doing. They just go to sleep. He's What sets him apart is he doesn't go to sleep. Yeah, he stays awake. And these creatures who, all, who all live under the city, uh-huh. they attune the city. Uh, they change it around. They change people's lives. And uh, Kiefer Sutherland, not Donald Sutherland. Sorry, wrong Sutherland. Uh, Kiefer Sutherland is sort of like the, the slave, yeah. really, of these these creatures and he's putting new memories in people and they're, they're like the whole city itself is kind of an experiment now yeah um I, hopefully you've seen this movie because i'm going to spoil, spoil the shit forward. out of it. we're gonna yeah. spoil the shit out of it which is basically as it goes forward it, the reason i'm i haven't done the whole plot and i feel like i need to say there's going to be spoilers because this is what i'm going to say to you about midway through the movie yeah the movie is like a magic trick where you've already fucking figured out the trick, uh-huh. but they just can't. They can't go to the end yet. They right. have to like they have to fill let out it the play rest of the out. Movie. And I'm like, they're clearly on a spaceship. And what's funny is I remember watching this in college and figuring that out, but still being like, this movie's so badass. And this time watching it, I'm like, I found <laughs> the way that the movie holds itself in the sense of like, guys, when we finally show you what's going on here, it's gonna, it's gonna blow your it's gonna shit blow off. your fucking shit up. Yeah. It was a little tedious for me this time. Right. I still like the performances. I will say this. Well, okay, let me finish this part out first. So it turns out they're on the spaceship. The cool thing is that um, the spaceship isn't a ship. Like sometimes when you've seen a movie, like, I don't know if anyone's ever seen, I think it's called The Signal, where they're, oh, on, yeah. where they're yeah, on a spaceship. Yeah. And it's like they're in a container. This, it's a little bit more... I, I actually feel like this movie... Is more. Uh, let me blow your mind real quick. This right. movie is one of the aesthetic roots oh. of steampunk. Right. No, I'm definitely this not going to disagree with that. This film is fucking steampunk at yeah. its core. The darker end of steampunk. It's not like... It, it's, it's like the weird cross-section between Cenobite and steampunk. Right. Well, yeah. I, But I would say a lot of steampunk comes from people who like are softer versions of Hellraiser fans. <laughs> okay. No, I really do think wow. that's true. Yeah. That's, um, it's like, well, why... You're throwing out all these wild theories, man. Because my thing is... Uh, Steampunks are people who go, I could make everything out of black leather and be totally into bondage. <laughs> but like brown leather is so fun. <laughs> da, 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 da. Who likes gears? Let's, Discworld. Let's watch Steamboy. You know, whatever. Okay, yeah. so point being, I think there's some real roots to steampunk in this movie. Uh-huh. And so what the f- movie just ch- decides to do is the ship 
is just the city floating in space with some sort of force field around it. And right. then the mechanism that allows them to do all this crazy shit is like just Below. hanging under yeah. it. It's a fucking awesome image. Yeah. But like they've revealed so much leading up to the big reveal of the city that by the time it reveals itself on this is like my fifth time watching the movie, but right. the first time in probably a decade, I was like, okay, I get it. Like, all right, all right, guys. It's it's, a, it's it's fine. It's still a very charming film, but uh, that that aspect of the plot. So, right. you know, and and there's all this mystery, y'all, and there's all this. Jennifer Connelly doesn't know what's going on. William Hurt doesn't know what's going on. They're trying to yeah. help each other out. Um, one of these aliens has the memories that were supposed to be for our main our character, yeah. uh, John. What is his last name? Sewell. No, no, no. Uh, that's the actor. Oh, uh, John Murdoch. Yeah, Murdoch. John Murdoch is he's supposed to be this person, yeah. but the memories weren't injected in to his brain, and they injected him into one of the the alien guys. And the idea is that he'll be able to vibe with him, and instead he just becomes a fucking psychotic weirdo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's supposed to be able to like trace him and like yeah. figure out where he's at by knowing his memories. But then a lot of that is like not as creepy. But in in other words, so things sort of develop until he finally gets captured. He goes to find. This memory everyone has is of Shell Beach, and he's supposed to right. be from Shell Beach. And so he's and trying if, to find Shell Beach. And there's no Shell Beach. Right? Yeah, he doesn't you know? know how to get there. There's no directions. And everybody's like, oh, yeah, I love Shell Beach. Ugh, and then how do you get there? And nobody knows. There's something about that that's very haunting in its own way. Yeah. But it also kind of feels like a, a really sort of self-serious undergrad paper. You know, like <laughs> someone's read uh, Kafka and Mr. Thursday, and now they're like, oh, no, I know what's up. Right, you know, right, right, gonna, right, right. Uh, So there's a little bit of that. And the only reason some of that bothers me is I want all this drama and this um, there's a lot of mystery and you know things going on with it to build towards some super interesting resolve. But what ends up happening is uh, he gets captured, he gets brought to the big room, mm-hmm. and what Kiefer Sutherland does that I think is his character does, which is actually kind of interesting, is he, he injects him with a doctored memory. Which side note, at this point, the movie is the fucking Matrix, yeah. which. Uh, it looks like the Matrix. Okay, uh, it, visually speaking, the Matrix ripped this movie off in, yeah. in some ways. One of the IMDb notes is that once this movie wrapped, they gave a lot of the setting set pieces to the Matrix. The though. Matrix took set pieces from the movie, yeah. but I even think they took the vibe, the aesthetics, whatever. But also the idea that he's this hero savior character yeah, weird. Yeah. who's gonna break us all out of our i mean the city's just a clock and we're and all like on this clock giving and, back the sun to the people you know, you know what i'm saying i mean seriously the, the 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 layers of obvious heavy metaphor are just sort of a little suffocating but i i'm okay with that i have a thing where this much, again, I think undergrad pretension right. would actually be charming to me if it sort of resolved in a super interesting way. Yeah. And it, at the end, just turns into fucking the end of Scanners. Right. He's like, just, it's just Jesus-y all of a sudden. Well, no, no, I wouldn't even just say that, though. That's part of it. It's also like, unless you have truly killer special effects, which this movie does not have. Well, I mean, it has the best that you can get in 1998. Sure, sure, sure. But it doesn't have anything uh, super crazy. A telekinetic battle is boring. Can yeah. we just say, like, no one's figured this out? Like, start again, starting with scanners, which yeah. is a slow motion of two people looking at each other really hard <laughs> and then blood shooting out of their yeah, faces. Like, there's never been a good telekinetic battle. No, no, no. The scanners battle is painful. And then here we are, 
literally almost twenty uh, years later. Twenty years later from yeah. scanners, almost not quite. Uh, and they haven't figured it out yet. And mm-hmm. I would say we're about to get this what X Men Dark Phoenix movie. Yeah, I'm gonna put money on they still haven't figured it out because <laughs> telekinetic stuff is weird it's yeah. hard to represent well right and in this unless film, you're big trouble in little china and you're egg shen fighting uh lopan with your spirit warriors which feels telekinetic again that's different it does feel but it's a different thing right, right this right. movie is just old man and uh murdoch staring at each other while with, a bunch of stuff between them gets really wavy yeah real bullet timey and then they fly up in the air now i will say the flying in this movie is awesome because it just looks like levitating no, but that's what's cool. Like, yeah, why yeah. does Superman fly in that weird position? Right. Like, I've come to accept that as how humans fly now. Yeah. yeah but yeah. like, the fact that these people just float is actually kind of unsettling. It looks awesome. Yeah. Uh, and at a certain point, it culminates in the scary old man shoots a knife at. They've already destroyed yeah. half the ship with their powers. Right. But then he's, he's like, daggers. How about this knife? Yeah. And I'm like, now a knife? That's what we're doing? Is a knife? I just, I just think that. Um, if the movie took itself less seriously leading up to the telekinetic battle, right. it'd be it'd be fine because you're like this is this is a dumb movie. Of course, it's re- it's ending this way, yeah. but the fact that there is all this layers of metaphor and meaning and mystery and whatever yeah. leading up to I'm staring at you really hard <laughs> is a little Here's my knife is a little weird. Yeah. However, all that stuff that I'm kind of making light of as the self seriousness of it, oh my god, it's. I think it's done really well. I think it's yeah, actually really it, great. And like uh, one of the characters I don't think that gets his due, but should is William Hurt as William the detective. Hurt's so he's good so good. Yeah, in this he's movie. so good in this movie. What, what do you think? What do you think on this second viewing? Uh, I liked it. Still, it. it I, I think part of the main reason that I do enjoy this movie so much is that it reminds me of City of Lost Children by uh, Jean Pierre Junet and Caro. Yo, okay, in that so, aesthetic, like this weird, dank, always wet streets. Like I meant to bring cityscape. this. I really meant to bring this up with you, and I totally forgot. When the movie first starts, yeah, I immediately was like, "City of Lost Children." Yeah, and then not only City of Lost Children, but then more contemporary, um, Micmacs, and you know, I wasn't thinking Micmacs, but yes, yeah. but I was thinking, um, who's the guy who does Be Kind Rewind? Oh, uh. Fuck, who did all the videos for uh, the White Stripes? Um, starts with a G. Mm-hmm. Uh, fuck me. We're the worst movie. I know, but I, I love that. Michelle Gondry. I don't know that this movie influenced Michelle Gondry, but watching it, you, yeah. I was like, City of Lost yeah. Children, Michelle Gondry. Like, there's this whole thing well, to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. City of Lost Children, though, that's that's Junae, that He did Mick Max. He did Amelie. He did yeah, 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 uh, yeah, Alien yeah. 4. Like. Those movies. You know, I just feel less of the Alien 4 thing. Mm. But, um, yeah, I, I think between those two folks. Yeah. Well, because Gondry, it, it, it did. It reminded me of Tokyo, if you remember. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, even Holy, Ro- Holy Motors at points, but. Uh, A little less than. Yeah, but more I mean, Tokyo. I think the thing I felt with gondry was more the special effects themselves when the when the towns when the cities in the town move it yeah, feels it like the so stop cool. motion of michelle gondry and you know what that shit is cool to me that's what yeah, and that's no, what that... i love about this movie like the the meat of it i mean granted the resolution isn't so much and like all the other stuff but the actual like from the beginning to like the end bit the the act two 
<laughs> of this movie. Sure, I sure, really sure, do sure, enjoy sure. very much for its stylistic choices and for uh, just the way uh, it, it looks. It looks so cool to me. And I think that it's really cool that they did have the guy from from uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show in there. It's so crazy. It's so bizarre. I keep expecting Because he to looks be like, like Riff Raff, yeah. To be like... Like a bald-ass Riff Raff who yeah, is already yeah, yeah, bald. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know. But I did enjoy it. I, I do like the space noir. You know, mm-hmm. you don't like Jennifer Connelly, or do you do like her? So, uh, I think the first time I saw this movie, it was because I was on a Jennifer Connelly kick. Right. Um, I was uh, as a kid, yeah, uh, a fan of her because of Labyrinth. Right. I actually just watched Creepers before I saw this, or Phenomena, which is now streaming on Shutter. Yeah. So it was just also like ah, Jennifer Connelly trip. Here we go. Yeah. You know. Um, and then I think I so what year did Requiem for a Dream come out? Uh, I actually was that like nine, like late nineties, right? Yeah, early two thousand something. Yeah, like that. something. Like that. I think I went back to Dark City because she was in Requiem for a Dream, and I was like, man, Jennifer Connelly's great. Yeah, and then um, I think this era of Jennifer Connelly is like my favorite. Yeah, um, in in certain ways, uh, but. In this particular role, she's kind of a dead zone. And, yeah, and she's kind of lacking I don't think, of agency. I don't think it's her fault. I just think it's like she. I mean, here's. I mean, she's not your your prototypical damsel in distress either. You know right. what I mean? But she is kind of like the impetus well, for him doing things. If you if you take and, if you take this movie at all as representative of an idea of the world, which people do, people don't, whatever. It it can be sort of a dark view, right? Because everyone yeah. is programmed, and then, um, like everything can be manipulated, and it's not clear. One of the things the movie I think is reaching towards is that though people in the film keep getting, being manipulated and programmed, yeah. that somehow love transcends that, that right? The because, love that they have, yeah. but I don't think it gets there thematically. I think yeah. it says that it literally says that that love is, but then as far as the story doesn't necessarily get there. Yeah. So I think that's partly why I say that not to just criticize the movie, but to say I think that's maybe why her character feels they don't well, get also, to spend the time with all her. of the female characters in the movie are very just you know set right. pieces like they're not at all part of the story other than them getting killed. <laughs> I mean, if you think about and, it though, the only main character, the only character who has a character is is john yeah john murdoch. murdoch but his whole character is i don't know who i am and i'm really angry about it yeah and that's it like yeah. the it's a film in which and i again this is good also sounds like a, a, a criticism but i don't think this is a flaw in the movie at all this is a film in which the ideas and concepts outweigh the characters themselves so like okay you don't so the characters don't really i mean william hurt is a caricature and yet he works so well i mean he's played great but the way it's written is he's a caricature of of a cop in of this sort of dark cop thing yeah but of course he is he's put together in Kiefer Sutherland's character, who is robbed of all of his memories other than those directly related to psychology, right. is putting creating these people. He's making them up. So, right. of course, a lot of them feel, in a way, Kiefer Sutherland is almost like um, an author, right? right? You're drawing from your own mind and creating these stereotypes. Yeah. And, of course, everyone is an exaggerated version of who they're supposed to be. I think you see this most with a couple who transforms from a poor couple to a rich to couple. To a rich couple, yeah. Neither, then... In neither version... Are they real people? Right. They're or just, just what Kiefer Sutherland has made them. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And so there's something about that I think that really works. I think, um, uh, yeah, it sounded a little dark on the movie. The only things 
about it that like really bummed me out is this movie, if you read the IMDP page, they also point this out. This movie has one of the highest cut rates. Yeah, it's like something like two seconds per scene or something oh like that. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's very frenetic in that way. And there are It's so, difficult to stay oh on. My, it's difficult yo, to stay yo, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yo. Yo. <laughs> it's difficult to draw yo, a line. Yo. I'll say that much. Yeah. Yo. How many low angle dolly zooms are we yeah, gonna have in one movie? The first couple, I was like, "Yeah, oh man, they don't do that <laughs> shit anymore." There has to be no less than fifty different occasions yeah, where it's, where an upward it's shot. a it's an upward shot dolly zoom on John Murdoch's face, yeah, and almost entirely him. No yeah. other characters. It feels as though that's like the one trick pony kind of like, this is what the noir movies looked like in the 50s, so here we go, you know? And I get it. But they weren't edited this way. Like, the the visuals of the film in the sense of the um, color, lighting, whatever, all speak to an older age of cinema. Yeah. But then the editing is like, music video, yeah, yeah, <laughs> we're doing yeah. it, we're on MTV. Well, so, so, so wait, how do you think this holds up 20 years later, though? Like, as a movie, like, okay, so we've discussed the finer points of this movie, Oh, it's so 90s. It's so 90s, but it's also, it's part of this, that was, like, the beginning of, that's when the Matrix stuff came out, and that's when, like, this new age of science fiction was ushered in, and I feel like this is the beginning of that. Well, okay, let's let's back that whole thing up in the sense of, um, I am a Matrix skeptic. Right. First one is fun. Yeah. I think we made it a lot deeper than... It than was. we wanted it to be. And, and then, then I think second, the next two movies yeah. are... Flounders, yeah. They flounder and they're weighed down with like, I think the Wachowskis, who I actually have a lot of affection for... And respect for. And respect for. I think they were like, oh, you thought The Matrix was deep? We're going to put even more <laughs> concepts into yeah, these movies. Yeah, yeah. And, and Monica Bellucci. And then it was just concepts and then CGI battles, some of which still kind of work. Like, I actually think the fight uh, the fight with Agent Smith and Keanu, I or forget was a multiple. It the, don't get me wrong. I get that the CGI is terrible. It's yeah. not good CGI. No, but it still kind of works. It's fine. Yeah. Whereas like some of the like, wait, which one are you talking about? Matrix One? Or are you talking about no in the in the playground? Oh right, right, right. right. So like that part, I think it actually still kind of works because it kind of shows you agent smith's power yeah uh whereas like some of the highway battles where they're doing all the slow motion and stuff yeah at the time i think a lot of people were like it's so cool <laughs> but if you're actually paying attention to the move in my opinion right um i'm willing to say that i could be wrong about this but my evaluation not likely but go on my evaluation of the way that functions in the plot is it fucking doesn't right but there's long stretches of both those movies where visually interesting things happen but it doesn't push the story along nothing hap- nothing yeah. actually happens right, that right, right, matters right. at all it's just this is an action movie so we need an action scene right. and i think w- compare that to say john wick or the fast and the furious franchise fuck that um <laughs> compare that to john wick and certain <laughs> movies in the fa- fast and furious franchise <laughs> in which the action scenes are have, germane to the plot they yeah have they a, have a weight thing. and they matter yeah. Um, I think you could have a discussion about John Wick 2, but by the time John Wick 2 starts to waste its time, I'm so in love with Keanu, I don't care. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah, um, I'll whereas watch that. I'm, it, I'm waiting for number three. Yeah. I'll say that. So, uh, and also pull that all the way back. I right. think what Dark City gives to that movie and then to subsequent um, early 2000s, later 90s, early 2000s sci fi movies. movies is just an aesthetic. And not only that, some of those movies are so much. Uh, this is such a weird metaphor. This is what I get for going to seminary. <laughs> if we're going to talk about the impact these things had, right? Right. 
Dark City is just the John the Baptist of The Matrix as Jesus. Like, right. yeah, right, right, right. I get that probably some directors were influenced by Dark City, but The Matrix was a fucking event. It was uh-huh. a singular. It was a. It was literally. I, I doubt that it would have been the event that it was without Dark City. Yeah, same with Jesus and John the Baptist. Like, without <laughs> John the Baptist, there is no Jesus Christ. Right. But right, right. there are no. Once Jesus happens, there are no John the Baptist disciples right, that right. matter. You just can't history. kick your grandpa in the nuts. That's the thing. That's the thing. I think but, you can. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, to me, what I, what I mean by that is, I think that um, it's hard for me to look at then movies and be like, oh, clearly this is influenced by Dark City, yeah, because it's influenced in the same ways that the Matrix could have influenced it. Whereas right. the things that were per- peculiar to Dark City. Uh-huh. Uh, for example, as we were describing the way that the city is malleable and the special effects of that yeah. at times is like stop motiony, you don't see that shit after that. No one does yeah. that again. Yeah, I, again, right, except right. for Michelle Gondry, who no one is saying, I bet Michelle Gondry was influenced by Dark City <laughs> because he wasn't. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that, but, um, okay, so, you, but your original question was how am I responding to it I 20 think, years later? I think. Parts of it are so of that time, it's hard for me. It's hard for you to transcend it to a greater context. But I still really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, I just, the, the only things that really bummed me out to the point where I didn't enjoy them as much, like I said, was the editing. Or, yeah. or I won't say just the editing, but the editing combined with the cinematography where we're getting the same things over and yeah, over again. Yeah, pop aesthetic almost. Right. Yeah, and yeah, then, yeah. as I said, the end of the film is, I think when I first saw it, I think when I was younger, I probably thought it was badass. I probably yeah. thought, yeah, battle! <laughs> but now it, it just felt, it, it felt disjointed from the rest of the movie in yeah. which that isn't the point. You know what I mean? And, right, right, and, right. And right. it didn't quite resolve. Um, and then it makes it for me made the ending feel kind of sappy, whereas previously I'd felt the ending was impactful and poignant. Yeah, a, li- a yeah, little it's bit. Definitely poignant. a sappy. It's definitely like that. I feel like the ending is the only part where they really do try to lean into the whole. Well, love transcends all things. Like that whole like yeah whatever. And you know, Yo, you got a bunch of people on a fucking <laughs> that keep on switching who they are. But you know what, love. And it's just like eh. it's also not clear that they didn't damage all the machinery. Like, yeah. how are these people going to live? Right after this? now, but, you you broke the 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 wheat grower. No, I, th- I think it I think it'll work out because he made water <laughs> float in space. So yeah, I think so it's like, hey, I think I, they'll I, be okay. I can't wait for someone to get to the beach and go. I'm going to go deep sea diving. And glug, 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 right oh, off into the universe. In space. And then all these flat Earth or society people are like uh, they're battling the round Earth <sighs> society people. Yeah, it's like, no, Earth is round. It's like, no, it's not. It's flat. And then, you know, they have this weird fight where the flat people are correct. They're so right in this case. Um, But again, it doesn't need to actually logically resolve because none of the... It's not actually a science fiction movie, right? The same way that um, you could argue that the Matrix uh, is in the science fiction movie. No, it's not. They're they are influenced by sci-fi, but they're not. Or let's put it this way: they're not hard sci-fi. Right. They're not quite science. It's fantasy. not so much sci; it's more fi. Well, it's that weird space between science fantasy. Like, yeah, yeah they're yeah. not quite Star Wars movies. Where Star no. Wars is like just wizards. What you is know? science? We yeah. don't need science. <laughs> we have we already also, have the spaceship. They're not so. quite Star Trek movies where it's like, well, this is the no, they're nothing like. like so, yeah. and and I think in the in the case of this movie they keep the science so awkward 
when it comes to the aliens that the aliens almost have a mystical magical feel yeah they look i mean like that they're lobsters. under the ground they're, they're like, like it's time for the tuning and then yeah. they're like shut it down like it's all like okay what futuristic technology requires an old man to yell shut it down especially like the they would all just text it to everybody the big dramatic ending he goes shut it down Forever. <laughs> and I'm like, if he didn't say forever, they wouldn't have known. Yeah, they would have been like, oh, just for now, right? Okay, cool. That's what he said. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But but it doesn't matter because then the image of them tuning, all of them it's together, awesome. saying like, it's like, so and they're making that clicking noise. Yeah, it's cool, man. That's pretty cool. And yeah. the ki- the little kid one is it's fucking, creepy. Yeah, even the line, it's, it's he's, she's chewing or he's chewing on his hand. And here's he's the thing. To hang out. I wonder how this movie would play for someone who didn't live in the 90s like yeah. okay i'm uh, i've seen this movie enough times i've been in the 90s enough that when for example uh the 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 uh the butler from rock hair picture show says we use your dead to live <laughs> that that to me i'm like oh fucking jerk off motion no, like it's just know, so just cool i love but, it. But that's I what i'm saying care. i wonder if it didn't for me it feels so cliche that i'm like oh this shit yeah but then i'm like yeah but if what if i was a young kid who didn't know anything about this movie and i'm watching it he's like we use your dad to live whoa whoa fuck so deep yeah Yeah, you know it's like yeah no it'll be different if you never saw like phantasm you know what i mean like right right i don't know but there is very much i it's interesting you brought that up because there is a very much like thread between this movie and Phantasm. Yeah, there's a very Phantasmy like funeral vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, well, and also these dudes wearing those fucking leather outfits. Yeah, like, they look like the tall. They're man. all just like Marilyn like... Manson fans, <laughs> <laughs> which is fine. You know, again, if, if like we're not here to yuck your yum, Mansonites. That's what you like. That's what you like. If if like if like during the scenes under the under the city when they did stuff. Like Nine Inch Nails just came on, I would have been like, "Yeah, that's fine." Like, yeah, mm-hmm. that that's makes sense. Or you know what though? If if Sun came on, I'd also be like, "Okay, sure. oh sure, yeah, yeah, yeah." yeah. Sure, sure, if sure, like sure, sure. Flight of the Behemoth came on, like, uh-huh. um, yeah. I like that the movie it it really doesn't pick a time period. It like refuses to be accurate, and that and might, that that works though, right? No, that's what I was saying. Confusing. I like that because it's supposed to be. The whole thing is supposed to be unsettling for you, the viewer, as well. That yeah. you're not supposed to be able to get a, a foothold. Um, I personally think the movie would work better in some ways if maybe they held back on the reveal that yeah. those things are aliens for a while. Right. If they it's didn't have really the weird, early on. If they didn't have the weird fight at the sign, like that right. was the part where I feel like it kind of jumped. It's like, damn, so now we know, you know, and it was well, just like. Well, it should be said, too, we watched the director's cut, right? Yeah, we did. That and it didn't have the voiceover at the beginning. Yeah, so in the in the, in the the theatrical version, if you've only seen the theatrical version, you, you're familiar with this voiceover. I don't even remember what it is. Keith Sutherland in the beginning, yeah. I don't even remember what he says. I just remember thinking, like, oh, okay. It sets it up a little bit, and I think maybe a little too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think the director's cut that we watch is better. Has no voiceover at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, and I really, but I really do think they could. It could have. Well, what I said to Seuss too was, I'd love to see a version of this movie today. Yeah, with better CGI and edited down. It doesn't need to be the runtime that it is of an it's hour and fifty so minutes. Yeah, it's long. super long. Like, and there's like a lot of bits at the beginning too that just kind of like they're supposed to be for setting up, but it doesn't feel like it makes any sense. You know what I mean? Like. And not in a disorienting way that's intended. It just feels like they're just kind of jacked in there. There's did, you, a, did you feel that way too? Yeah, there's a little bit of bloat at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Um, 
I think a tighter script and a tighter runtime would benefit this movie a lot. And and hold on to the secret of it a little bit longer, which yeah. might seem ridiculous if they did a remake because everyone will go in knowing. But yeah. I still think the movie work would work better. If Do you think we that it's know. an obscure enough movie that if they did redo it, that people would know? Well, let's put this out there: the movie was made for twenty seven million dollars, which you know in ninety eight is a pretty good budget. Yeah, not great, but pretty good. And it made. 12 million worldwide <laughs> so that is a less, big l yeah that's less than half the budget <laughs> so i'm gonna go ahead and say, i mean i'm sure it has in fact had a life although can, can i say something about this real go quick ahead. too yeah. the second life of this movie is a um if you watch the film uh, you might notice that the title sequence is ridiculous. It kinda, really ridiculous. It kind of looks like someone made it on like MS Paint. Yeah, or like on a laptop. The only thing more ridiculous is the new updated poster for the director's cut. So oh, the, that has you know the, the the classic poster is the black poster with the guy on the clock and he, he's like right and he's like strapped down. Yeah, it looks like he's it. being yeah. blasted with something. There's the blast. new one is like the city and it's like I posted it on the Cinepunks page. It, oh, you did? Yeah, I did. I didn't even see that. Yeah, you're welcome. Oh, and it's that white poster that looks... <laughs> yeah. It looks like someone did it in photo, Photoshop from 1998. Yeah. It's pretty wild. It's pretty wild. Um, it's the worst art I've ever seen. It's pretty wild. Um, but in other words, like who? this movie has enough of a second life that who couldn't afford to pay for good art for that? <laughs> and the, part of the second life is, I think, is actually people who are kind of stoked on like steampunky, whatever sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's also people who I think maybe read a little too much depth into this movie. Uh, and And for me... I think that's part of my unfair assessment of the film. Is that, that like, it's that it's connected to that community? Yeah, a little bit of like the, the there's something super dramatic about the world going on here. Whereas I think some of what I'm reading, watching the film, is actually more of an aesthetic choice. Right. It's not really trying to get to a Kafka esque level of it's, like parody and like you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think, but it is getting there aesthetically. Like it's supposed to make you think of the cockroach but it's not yeah. the cockroach you know what i mean like yeah yeah, yeah. It's there's not... even a scene of a cockroach running in it yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's like kind of on the nose yo that dude oh the dude lo- <laughs> i will say this i actually think the dude losing his mind because he's kind of figured out something's wrong yeah i actually it's find that great. one of the more yeah. compelling parts it's definitely one of the more charming parts of the movie where you're like whoa but when he jumps in front of the train it's again so 90s like yeah. him killing himself i went oh so dark because he goes i figured out a way to get out of here and then he just jumps in front of the train yeah yeah, I get it. Okay. When That's he cool. does that, I was I was literally like, "Oh man." Yeah. <laughs> so so 90s so goth. So 90s goth. So downward spirally. <sighs> All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> let's, let's get back. Let's get back. Let's okay, go. okay. Here's the thing. I do think if you've never seen this movie, which I wish you hadn't listened to this podcast. You wouldn't have listened to this podcast if you've never seen the movie. But just in case, if you've never seen it, I think it's worth giving it a spin. I also think it's worth a revisit if you haven't seen it in a while. And it's just fun. It's a fun movie. And I think you're right. The DNA of this movie is in a lot of other things. Yeah. That uh, it's just hard for me to see that past The Matrix, which was such a a watershed moment. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like... It's kind of like um, when people want to parse. I think there's a lot of post-Tarantino movies that yeah. actually borrow more from Reservoir Dogs than from Pulp Fiction. Right. But Pulp Fiction is the movie that did it. That is the touchstone. Yeah, yeah, for yeah, sure. yeah, 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 yeah. So. Um, 
Um, so yeah, and uh, also we can't judge this guy for making a dark film too much because this is the dude who made The Crow. Not exactly <laughs> the most well lit movie either. No, definitely not. Definitely thematically there in darkness. Yeah, shared darkness thematically. Another movie we should rewatch. Although I, I get the feeling that if it's gonna probably if, make me feel if, terrible if, 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 dark, I watch if it. Dark City didn't exactly sit well with me on this watching, <laughs> I don't know that The Crow is gonna wow me. Yeah, nah. I but I know. also know it can't rain all the time. It cannot. That should be in a movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, Dark City. I, I don't know that I'm gonna get a Dark City tattoo, but but um, it's pretty good. I enjoyed it. I yeah, fun, I it was fun myself. showing it to Suze, who had never seen it before. When it ended, she was like, wow, that was so 90s. <laughs> so, I love Sue so much. What's yeah, up, Sue? Yeah. All right. So, wrapping it up. Anything that you have that you are pumped on that you are looking forward to? Uh, I don't think this will be out by then, but uh, the uh, tickets go on sale for X-Fest very soon. Nice. Nice. Uh, March so 10th, we are that. doing a co-podcast with the Shame Files podcast where yep. we will be uh, screening at the Warehouse 3 in Swarthmore, Swarthmore Pennsylvania. We'll be screening a movie that we cannot announce, but uh, it's directed by Brian De Palma, 1974. Jesus, I think you basically just announced Yeah, that. but I didn't, though. Holla at your boy. But uh, we'll be doing a Shame Files podcast where, uh, if you haven't listened to Shame Files, basically the premise is that uh, Ryan and Jill talk about movies that they shouldn't have seen as cinephiles, or that they haven't seen as cinephiles, but should have. Right. So, uh, yep, this is going to be uh, a live discussion after a screening of the movie. So It'll it be, be a little weird because we have seen this, though. Yeah, but they haven't. So that's what's going to make it interesting. Cause I can't believe they haven't seen it. Yeah. There's so many things. Like, Liam was already supposed to be on that show for Bridge Over the River Kwai. Yeah, we were and, supposed to do it on Tuesday, though. That just wasn't going to happen. Yeah. And I did, uh, I did, like I said, I did the episode on Unforgiven, but uh, it, it got, it, we lost it. So, but uh, yeah. That's coming up on the 10th, so mark your calendars. As I said earlier, um, that Dead Heat Primal Right show is coming up. Yeah. I definitely want to go to that. Uh, I'll be playing Ortlieb's on the 14th, Wednesday the 14th, with uh, my friends from uh, Durham, North Carolina, Hard Worker. Oh, okay. And uh, uh, Mike Polshock, who's from the neighborhood, his new band Sun God will be playing. So it's gonna, And then uh, sure. uh, Door Prize is the other band. So that should be fun, playing by myself. So uh, yeah, come on out. Say hello. I'm sure and, there's other movie stuff too, but I can't think. Oh, I should definitely start announcing this now. Um, in April, when does this start? The Kung Fu movie thing. Oh, it starts in like late April, doesn't it? Like, yeah, I think so, dude. I cannot wait for Boxer's Omen. Holy shit! So, um, dude, the American Genre Film Association uh, just released a bunch of restored Shaw, Shaw yeah, Brothers, restored Shaw Brothers yeah. stuff. And so the closest theater to me participating is uh, the, I want to get this name right, the uh, Frank Banco Ale House Cinema at the Steel Stacks in Bethlehem. Nice. And so Lawrence, uh, who uh, runs that, was one of the people who runs that, he asked Cinepunks if we wanted to be involved, and so we are. We're going to be the official, we're sort of the official sponsors, which basically means I'm going to be doing intros for the movies and possibly holding q a's after and i'm hoping doing some like giveaways of t-shirts and yeah like so it should be a lot of fun i'm hoping josh will be up for at least i one. will be up for at least one or two uh, i'm gonna try to book some other special guests so please come out to that if we put our name on Dude. it and no cinepunks people show up we're gonna look like real assholes so please. more assholes than we already look like. yeah that's true so please come on out for that it's in bethlehem that might be a trip for some of you but, but it's worth it it'll be totally worth it it's gonna be awesome all right Hey, you're great. You're great. It's so good to see you. It's good hanging out. 
And uh, that is the uh, episode great. 77. Hey, uh, big thanks to our official sponsors, Lehigh Valley Power Creations. And big thanks to you, the listener. Please uh, rate, review, and subscribe. Yeah, and just tell your friends about it. That'd be cool. Yeah, you're awesome. Yeah. All right, bye-bye. I can't stop farting. This should have been your Yeah. Did I ever tell you a story about how uh, one time we were home for Christmas? This is during college. Okay. And uh, we're at my parents' house in Cherry Hill for like a big party, and like Bad Michael was with us. So we're outside. (laughs) Oh, Bad Michael. So, okay, I was like maybe like um, a senior in college or something, and I just discovered cigarettes. (laughs) You just found them. No, no, no. I started smoking them, like, in my mouth. But anyway. No, I mean, like, but you said you... you I like the phrase, you just discovered them, like... I discovered how fun guys, they were. Guys, guys, It's like, yo, you'll never guess. Cigarettes. Guys, you know this thing that everyone's been doing since they were 14? I'm going to start it right now at 20. It's going to be amazing. Anyway. So we're at my parents' house, and it was Christmas, and there was snow out, and it was me, Anthony, and Bad Michael. And uh, Bad Michael's like, yo, do you guys smoke cigarettes and we're like hell yeah bad michael we do so he was like i need to smoke and we're like we definitely need to smoke let's step outside so the three of us go outside and we're having a cigarette and fucking we have parliament lights because you know not real smokers really and we finish our cigarettes and we're laughing we're like i don't believe it we grew up together now we're out smoking cigarettes together we're so mature so we go inside and my dad has a fucking cow and he's like were you smoking marijuana? <laughs> like, so at first we thought he was just going to be like, who is smoking cigarettes? And Anthony was going to be like, uh, you know what, Dad, you caught us. I smoked a cigarette. It's fine. But then my dad was all, which one of you were smoking marijuana? <laughs> you know? And we all were like, oh, shit, what? And like, my dad was like, I've been trained by the public school system, and I know the smell of marijuana. Which one of you has been smoking it? And I thought Anthony was going to go with his plan of admitting that he smoked a cigarette, right? But Anthony was like, well, Dad, historically, only one of us has been known as Bad Michael, so. <laughs> we all were like, no! I can't believe he, like, owned Bad Michael that way. Oh, dude, it was the funniest Threw thing. Threw Bad Michael under the bus. <laughs> Bad Michael got thrown under the bus. And then, like, you know, and then he's like, we're not smoking weed. And then, like, my dad was like, I smell marijuana. And then, like, that was it. So, I don't know. Merry uh, Christmas. You know what I mean? I like that your dad sounds like a very dramatic uh, P.I. He is, though. <laughs> He's a very dramatic Pinoy. Yeah. Sorry. The, the, I'm sorry. The Pinoy P.I.? I was wearing my uh, I was wearing my blue shirt with a design on it the other day. People were complimenting it. And I was like, you know, this is my Pinoy uncle shirt. Oh, and it was a good people, shirt. People were like, uh, what? You look good in it. You I look like, good in it. I like yeah. that Pinoy I'm just uncle saying. Yeah. yeah, you look like the good Pinoy uncle. The one that'll let you gamble and shoot a gun when you're 12. <laughs> Joey. You know what this is? This is a gun. You shoot the gun that way. 
You're welcome. <laughs> Call me Uncle Joey. That's how it is, man. Dude, Anthony went to the Philippines when he was 13. He came back. He's like, yo, I drove a car, I drank whiskey, and I shot a gun. I was like, what? He's like, yeah, the same day. Manung Dandan, let us do it. You should have gone. Well, what yeah. were you doing? I stayed home because I had a job at Wawezy. You're probably going. You're going to like floor punch. Like oh, yeah. I'm having so much fun, and Anthony's over there doing bullshit, doing family. Meanwhile, shit. he's a gangster. Yeah, I know. Meanwhile, he drove a car, got pulled over by a cop, and paid him off with like a whiskey bottle that they had open in the back. Thirteen years old. Yeah, 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 yeah. This isn't recording, is it? Oh yeah, it is. <laughs> oh yeah, it is. Dude, what you go? <laughs> know why but my inclination right then was to sing the cops theme <laughs> what you gonna the do, do when they come for you bad boys that was off that uh second h2o seven inch do you remember when bad they did that michael bullshit? bad michael oh, dude if we get bad michael on this show that would be an amazing time what movie would bad michael talk about dude he's the first person who showed me nightmare on elm street and he's the first person who showed me you know indiana jones he, his dad had a vhs mm. player when we were kids i was like fuck so i wouldn't even know what to mm. talk about with bad michael it'd be great though it'd be great Anyway, Joy. what number is this? 76? 67? Motherfucker. I don't even know. 61? Shit. Can we just once be prepared ever in the history of... You were the one looking at your phone. I was like, maybe Liam's looking at his phone. No, of course not. Okay. Woo! Sorry. This, this would be number 77. Holy Moses. I was bringing up the IMDb page of Dark City. Right, right, right. Why? Because we're talking about it. Mm -hmm. All right, you ready? Mm -hmm. 